before we start the show, I wanted to let you know about a limited opportunity. The doors are open to our online community. Where we're helping clinicians get confidence and success when dealing with the complexity of pain we see in practice. We have Brownie Thompson, Mike Stewart, and myself helping clinicians get the training they need to get comfortable managing pain well. You get live events, workshops, peer support, and direct feedback on your practice and your unique struggles. You can visit the community on your computer or on the go on your smartphone. The doors are closing on May 8th, so make sure you check out modernpainpro.com for all the details and to start transforming your practice today. Changing the story around pain. This is the Modern Pain Podcast, helping to improve the understanding and treatment of pain across the world through education, advice from experts in the field, personal stories from those living well with pain, and more. A modern approach to pain treatment, management, and education, while helping to bring the patient voice back to healthcare. This is the Modern Pain Podcast. Here's your host, Dr. Mark Cardula. What is going on, everybody? This is Mark Cardula, lead faculty here at Modern Pain Care. And coming at you this week for another episode of the Modern Pain Podcast. We've been away for a little bit. Signals have been crossed. We've had a little bit of trouble getting together. We've also had things going on, uh, you know, medical things going on in our families. Thankfully, everybody's good and, and healthy in the families. But, you know, life is life. Uh, Jared's also dealing with some lovely managerial issues with COVID still doing its thing with his staff there in Texas, which, uh, you know, poor Jared. I, you know, always get to hear some of the fun managerial stuff that he goes through. But anyway, we'll, we're going to talk this week about a TikTok that Aaron Kubal had put out the other, gosh, I can't remember how long ago it is, a bit ago, but um, I'm going to let Jared kind of lay it out a little bit, but we've uh, enjoyed Aaron's, you know, social media account with TikTok, especially. God, I didn't even know how many followers this guy's got, but he's got well in the hundreds of thousands of followers and putting out good content. But I thought he put out one recently, or Jared and I both thought that he put out one recently that was worth discussing. And we will discuss that today and just maybe put a little bit of nuance into it, which apparently you can't do in a, in a minute long TikTok, the, the full nuance. So we'll, we might unpack it a little bit and um, discuss things a little bit further. But before we do, let's check in with Jared. How are you doing there, Jared? Uh, Mark, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm just uh, in preparation, the last phases of preparation for uh, hosting the one and only the great Sir Adam Meekins this weekend. He'll be over in uh, over in Texas teaching his uh, uh, shoulder complex or painful shoulder course. So um, I think he actually he flies in this week. So, um, you know, I'm just trying to put all the finishing touches on that and make sure we're ready to go. So pretty, pretty, pretty excited. And then, uh, you know, pretty much shortly after that, I leave out for Spain for a little vacation. So, uh, my next, my next few weeks are, are looking nice. Kind of jealous, man. Uh, the, the Hall family, uh, usually is crisscrossing the globe somewhere at least once a year. I know you and your wife are big into travel and, and, uh, um, looking forward to seeing the pictures. I'm sure you'll, uh, you know, be drinking some wine. I know you do, you two enjoy some of the wine and some of the fine foods that are over there. So you'll have to report in my wife and I have got to get our daughter a little older and then, then our travels may, may drift a little bit more abroad, but tell us a little bit about this TikTok. that, uh, let, let's lay the groundwork for the folks. Cause I'm sure they're just wondering what the hell we're talking about with this TikTok that Aaron did. Cause he's only releases one like one a day over the last how many years? Cause the guy's on fire with that stuff. But can you uh, just lay it out for folks? Yeah. You know, I, um, <clears throat> I actually don't follow very many people on the old Instagram account or whatever it is. I, I, I kind of like to keep my feed pretty, 
you know, pretty honed in. And, and I only really follow a lot of people that I, I tend to really think that they put out good content. And um, Aaron is one of those people that he had a he had a video a couple maybe a couple months ago. Now we've been talking about this you and I for a little while, uh, and it was on the concept of injury prone. And he he did a really good job of going through and you know in the one minute talking about. Um, can you be injury prone? And Aaron kind of took the stance that in particular, he was talking about in professional athletes, like can professional athletes be injury prone? Um, and he, he kind of said, we shouldn't use that term, uh, which I, I would tend to agree with. I don't know. There's probably some baggage that comes along with that, that, um, that term, but he said, there's probably no such thing as being injury prone because injuries are super complex. And, you know, we're not very good at predicting them when we look at uh, FMS scores or SFMA or anything like that, which again, I agree with. Um, but I, uh, I think that there's probably some more discussion that we could have to go a little bit deeper and maybe take a slightly different stance on the concept of, of injury prone than he was able to talk about, uh, in his uh, social media post. And, you know, when, when I listened to his post, my immediate reaction is, ah, man, that's interesting because something in my gut tells me that I don't agree with this. And I had to think through it a little bit. And the more I thought about it, really, it led me down the rabbit hole of trying to determine, well, what's the difference between pain and injury? Uh, and I think by and large part, a lot of times when let's say professional athletes or college athletes or high school athletes or really anybody um, miss participation in something uh, due to pain. How often can we really tell truly if this is a, uh, you know, a discernible tissue based injury or if this is like a pain problem? Right. So if you look up the definition of injury by the International Olympic Committee, and I actually have this pulled up here, um, the International Olympic Committee defines an injury as damage to the tissues of the body that occurs as a result of sport or exercise and prevents the participation in sport or exercise. So I started thinking, well, if, if we're defining an injury as something that uh, maybe causes pain and prevents participation, right? That opens up, you know, it, it knocks you out of practice or it knocks you out of sport. Or let's say if you're a weekend warrior, it knocks you out of playing pickleball. Or if you're a gardener, it knocks you out of being able to garden or whatever that might be, right? It knocks you out of participation in the thing that you want to participate in. Well, I would probably have to say that that is to some degree an injury because it's it's kept you from doing what you want to do. Well, then you have to ask, well, is it because you tore some ligamentous or muscular fibers or something like that? Or can just inflammation be an injury because it's it's painful enough to, to prevent you from participating? Or can uh, just, you know, uh, chronic hypersensitization and things like that that maybe aren't associated with an acute or, or even chronic inflammatory response. Maybe could those be injuries because they're per, they're keeping you from participating in stuff? And, and when you look at it through that lens, I think that you probably can say that there are certain people that are injury prone. Right. If we if we look at people who, from a genetic standpoint, maybe. Uh, have a higher tendency to have a stronger inflammatory response or uh, you and I chatted about this quite a bit. Like what if we look at people that from a genetic standpoint 
have, uh, you know, tissue based disorders where there's hypermobile or less robust tissues like in you know, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, or maybe even like a Marfan syndrome, thing, things like that, right? To to say that we're not injury prone, to me, seems to be uh, ignoring how variable and on a spectrum we tend to talk about how humans are in every other dynamic, right? So if everybody falls on a spectrum, uh, it, on every variable, whether it be the degree to which you are, you know, have an inflammatory response, the degree to which your immune system is reactive or hyperreactive, right? We have all sorts of autoimmune conditions that cause lots of inflammation. We have all sorts of connective tissue disorders and, and conditions that cause more and less flexibility in different compositions of connective tissue across the body. We have um, all sorts of spectrums that we look at people on, right? And then to say, Oh, no, 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 no. But now injury prone, we don't have a spectrum over here. We don't have people that are highly resilient to this and people that are non-resilient to this. That doesn't make sense to me. So if we look at every variable of human anatomy and physiology and psychological resilience and immunology and all this sort of stuff on a spectrum, there are certainly people that fall higher and lower on a spectrum of likelihood of having pain or actual tissue damage as a result of, you know, a certain amount of a given load that they, they put on their body. Uh, so that was a little bit of a rambling, um, you know, rabbit hole, but that's kind of the thought process that I started going down and all because when I heard Aaron say this, I, there was just something in my gut that says, I don't I don't think I agree with this. I really need to sit down and chew on it and reflect on it for a little while. And that's why this this you know podcast that we're doing is two or three months later, because you and I have kind of bounced some ideas back and forth and kind of figured out why, why does this not sit well with me? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, you know, kind of, as you mentioned too, just kind of understanding the context for which he's discussing this injury prone with more of an athletic population. And, 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 and when we... The, the, the problem with too is consuming social media isn't, you know, it's not just athletes who are chilling and watching Aaron's feed and Aaron knows that too. And, and I, I, even with the intention and, and pretty clear context of athletes, um, there are going to be people with like EDS and, and other conditions that are going to say that does not speak to me and, and the, the life and the, the N equals one experience that I've had um, with injury and, and pain. Um, but yeah, when, when you're, you're working with folks and, and, yeah, yeah, I just obviously I work with a lot of persistent pain folks where I I would be curious just to do a clinical study with them, just a simple qualitative. Like, do you consider yourself injury prone? My my guess, again, just knowing people and, and getting the you know, privilege of working with a lot of folks and getting to know their mindset a lot is uh, I do think there's a probably decent chunk of people who would consider themselves injury prone. And I know, especially in my EDS populations that I've been able to work with, um, they've often get tabbed injury prone. And, um, just because again, some of the soft tissue dysfunctions and issues that they deal with that often lead to, you know, some significant joint issues and, and, you know, problems that they deal with. So yeah, it's just so hard to dichotomize that discussion into you are, or you aren't. And I think, you know, maybe some people, I know for me personally, you know, and I always reflect on my lovely history of my back. Um, when, when things tend to, you know, when my resilience is down, it's when I'm highly stressed, underslept, um, you know, doing things. It just seems to be where I've noticed in my experience that 
my resilience and and my injuries tend to appear or my pains, which again, latest one was definitely an injury <clears throat> yanking a barbell off the floor uh, with a clean, not a deadlift, thankfully. Um, cause everybody thinks deadlifting is the death to the back anyway. But, um, so, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a complex discussion that, you know, it's hard to put that nuance out there. And I think Aaron did a great job, like you'd mentioned in his, um, you know, bringing up some of the points and some of the good points about, you know, FMS and then the things that you discussed, how it's, um, not maybe the, you know, end all be all or have a lot of predictive abilities as far as who's out there looking to get injured. And then you, you think about even in the sports, um, you know, the ones I always think about is like, you know, you get Adrian Peterson's who get an ACL and, you know, within like, you know, four, six months, I can't remember. It was some ridiculous thing. Think six months. I think the dude's playing NFL football after a, a ACL. And then you get folks like Derek Rose who really struggled. And I had no personal involvement in Derek Rose's rehab. Uh, but you hear rumors and you kind of can see it on a human's face of like uncertainty, you know, and kind of some apprehension and maybe some, you know, you know, not loading things confidently like where Adrian Peterson's like, let's go. And then maybe some other folks where, again, when you got discussions of like, this is my contract, this is my career, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of variables that some of the athletes go into that might, you know, make them not rehabilitate as easily as um, some athletes that maybe not deal that aren't dealing with some of those, you know, psychological challenges and natural things. But I think you can extrapolate that to the average population too. When, when your passion is gardening and everything that really brings joy to your life is getting out in the garden and being able to, to do the thing, things out there. And then pain takes that away from you. I think, um, you know, some of the same psychological distress and different things can, can go on. And, um, so, I mean, that kind of drifts off a little bit of the injury thing, but it, it is, it's, it's a dis- tough discussion. I, I think, I don't think there's, uh, you know, obviously any of this dichotomous black and white ways of looking at it as with most fat things we discuss around humans and um, the conditions we face. I think uh, you, you put it nicely. I think it's on a spectrum of where, you know, maybe we all kind of ride and move back and forth on that spectrum, depending on where we are in life and where, um, you know, our resilience factors. Um, I know, you know, John Sturgeons and others have really had some good, if you ever have some chances to read some of his work, he, uh, he's got some good stuff. And I think Ben Cormack's the one that introduced me to a lot of that stuff. And it's good reads to, to talk about resilience factors where I think it's a worthwhile thing to discuss or, you know, to bring into some of these discussions as far as injury goes. Um, but even that I don't think has been proven to be, um, you know, perfectly predictive, but I think it's, you know, variables, I think worth considering with people who, when we're, we're working with real humans who, who are developing pain and, and having it limit them from, from things they want to do. So what, what do you think, uh, you know, are some of the negatives, uh, or maybe some of the challenges when in the word, even injury prone gets tossed around? I know, you know, patients might now always take that the right way. And, and maybe medical folks may not understand some of the challenges that come along with that, that title, I guess, um, anything that you're Thinking there, Jared. Yeah, I've got a couple of thoughts on that. Um, before I lose, before we move into that, I had a, a, a few more thoughts that popped up while you were talking. I don't want to lose those. Um, you know, we, we were Aaron's video was talking about in, in particular. He mentioned professional athletes and that's that sort of thing. And I, I think we probably would be remiss if we didn't bring up the fact that when you're functioning at that high of a level, when you, when, when you're an athlete that's performing at the professional level, there's most certainly a filtering bias as well by the time that you get to that level. Right. So people who maybe are more 
naturally or genetically prone to injury and pain and flare-ups and inflammation and so on and so forth. Well, they probably haven't made it to the level of the professional athlete because they were filtered out because they couldn't get there because they were, you know, the, the stresses that they were putting their body under, their body was not adaptive enough or they were not resilient enough from a, uh, you know, immunological, uh, inflammatory, physiological, whatever, like anatomical, they were not resilient enough to actually even make it to that level. So there's probably a bit of a filtering effect when you get up to those really, really, really high levels of athletes um, from some of the stuff that we mentioned as far as connective tissue disorders and, and all of that stuff. So we, we should keep that in mind. And then uh, you mentioned, you know, you recently had an injury and, and as people progress through their life, well, we know that there are changes that happen to connective tissue and there are changes that happen to your immune system. And like, for instance, autoimmune conditions and all of this sort of stuff, a lot of them tend to manifest later in life, you know, towards, you know, towards middle life and or, or, or that sort of thing. So there there are factors, you know, maybe as athletes age and, and, and people age and all that sort of stuff, you can become more injury prone and that sort of thing. So if, if it, also if a researcher is out there listening to this right now, uh, what you mentioned, I think could be really cool, right? A qualitative analysis of patient perceptions on their proneness to injury. You know, let's, let's actually do a little analysis on that and, and see what people think. Cause I know that you have heard this surely Mark, like, but I have a, I have a patient that'll come in. Like I've had this patient, this type of patient a hundred times. And they're like, Oh my God. Yeah. I'm just like a bull in a China shop ever since I was a little kid. Like, you know, I'm always falling down. I'm always slamming into stuff. I'm always getting hurt. This, this sort of thing. And that's their perception of themselves. And I would bet that that person probably has a tendency to experience maybe a little bit more pain or something for a multitude of reasons, because if you don't get hurt and you don't lose participation and you don't have pain, well, all of a sudden that trip, that stumble, that bump, that fall, well, that's not memorable anymore. But if there are consequences as a result of that pain or missed participation or whatever it may be, well, all of a sudden now that's that that's memorable, right? So a person that has a self-perception of themselves as maybe more injury prone, I, I, it would be interesting to see, you know, how much more likely they are to uh, either have tissue damage or pain or whatever it might be for, you know, a given uh, pain, you know, a given stimulus. So I, I think that you could take that line of research down a really, really interesting pathway. So I didn't want to not say that before we moved on. Um, in regards to what you, will you have any thoughts on that, Mark? No, I, uh, as you, we mentioned, I think, you know, the qualitative and I agree, I get those patients all the time where it's like, you know, they've had this perception of themselves that they're very, you know, prone to having issues and it's been them since they've been born. I mean, definitely my EDS folks said this makes so much sense that when they get diagnosed finally that they've had this history in sport and different things where they were struggling with sprains and, and injured all the time and feeling like um, this now validates what I've experienced my whole life. Um, so, yeah, it'd be, it would be interesting to run some of these studies. You also wonder too, like some people just with their whole, you know, vestibular system and ability to have, you know, body control and different things. I mean, we're getting way into the weeds, but it would be interesting just to see, you know, what some of the factors. And again, you know, 
there's an endless amount of variables that probably could be, you know, looked at as far as what could influence some of this stuff. But again, it's, it's, it's just interesting. I think there are definitive people out there. I would agree that, you know, have that perception of themselves and, um, whether it's per their life experience too, or, you know, maybe that title has been given to them from, you know, maybe healthcare folks who knows, but uh, yeah, it would be, I'd be definitely interested to, to see where that comes, where, where that, uh, would, would hash out in the general population of some folks we see in clinic for sure. Yeah. And then, so you, you asked the question, like, what do you, what do you think, um, perceptions of maybe being labeled as injury prone could, could do to certain people. I, I think that, uh, you could probably go deep into the weeds on that as well. I think certain people, if they are labeled as injury prone, um, like, oh man, you've been hurt three times this year. You're so injury prone. Well, they, they could internalize that mentality or that thought process. And then, um, as my high school football coach would say, start playing scared and scared players get hurt more because they're tiptoeing around, blah, 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 you know, all this sort of stuff. Right. But they change their perception of, themselves and they start to believe that they're maybe more more prone to injuries so maybe they start avoiding things maybe they start loading their body different all of the, all of these sort of things so i think that there could be a negative cascade or a negative spiral as a result of giving somebody that label and them internalizing that um but i could also see scenarios where maybe talking to somebody about their elevated risk profile of sustaining an injury or pain could be helpful. This is literally what we do with pain education, right? Like Adrian, Adrian Lowe's got all these studies and stuff and Lorimer Mosley about, Hey, because of these factors in your life where you don't sleep well and you, uh, you're, you're very stressed and you're very anxious and due to your past experiences, you're a little bit more prone to, to feeling pain than other people would be maybe, you know, and, and maybe we can work on some of these factors to make you less prone to feeling pain. So, or, you know, less prone to sustaining some sort of negative outcome to loading your body, right? So we literally flip the script and explain to people the factors in their life that may be contributing to their elevated risk of having pain or maybe, um, you know, increasing the pain experience that they have for a given amount of tissue damage or, or stimulus or stress. So I don't, I can see how you could actually use that potentially as a, as a positive in the right scenario for people to help them understand why they have had so much pain and why they have been hurt so much in their past. So, you know, as usual, it's not black and white, at least right now in my mind. No, I, as, as with welcome to the gray of clinical life, right? Um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I definitely am with you as far as the way we kind of utilize some of those discussions in clinic with folks, as far as like, you know, backing out to, you know, looking big picture lifestyle type factors with folks of sleep, diet, you know, stress management, all those different things of like, you know, that kind of general continuum that we all function on that we've spoke about is as far as like maybe taking a step back and, and having a nice discussion with a patient to kind of maybe help kind of key them into maybe some of the factors uh, that we speak of lifestyle factors and different things that might make them more prone to pain. We can't obviously perfectly um, say, but I think it's helpful and I've definitely found it helpful for working with, you know, a decent amount of, uh, Ehlers-Danlos patients as far as helping them see of like how stress and poor sleep and, and a lack of movement and different things can kind of move them in a bad direction. And, and again, kind of when we sit back and have those discussions and let them self-reflect and see if it makes sense with 
the experience. Oftentimes those things for people can kind of resonate with them. It's like, that kind of does seem to be the way my body travels when I'm experiencing some of the stuff. And then obviously we can incorporate that into maybe a, a resilience building, um, you know, program of PT of where we're, we're trying to help them see big picture on a, you know, a very, you know, specific diagnosis, I guess, but that obviously is influenced by a lot of complex stuff. Um, that hopefully helps them move better forward with that diagnosis on board, because that can be a, a challenging diagnosis um, for a lot of folks. But a lot of folks, as with a lot of conditions, you know, can really live a fruitful existence and really live well with those type of things, provided they're, you know, connected with a good team and some folks that and have a good support system, not just in their healthcare system, but around the, their life. But yeah, I just, it just goes to say, again, I think there's so many buffers against maybe possible development of pain that, you know, we can help besides just traditional, like, you know, trying to quantify it based on a FMS test and things like that. I think, you know, the more we discuss this, the more it just brings out some of the complexity of what we're dealing with. But to me, that's the fun of things in clinic. If everything was so black and white and boring, I would be, not have lasted in this profession for 20 years. So um, it, it, it definitely makes it more interesting and more challenging to, to work with folks with some of the complex factors. But what do you think we need to leave folks with uh, in this uh, podcast there, sir? Oh, man, you know, <clears throat> that, that we're, we're still at a stage where we just we just don't know and we, we, we don't know what we don't know. And I think that um, if we, if we talk about every person and every variable on a spectrum, we probably have to talk about injury risk or injury proneness on a spectrum. And, um, you know, if you're, if you're somebody that has considered yourself injury prone, um, I'd love to hear your quantitative, I, I mean, your qualitative, uh, reflections on that. And, and really, I think we need to take this discussion online so it reaches more people and we have more different perspectives on that. So, uh, rather than you and I just going back and forth on this, Mm -hmm. I I hope that everybody listening will kind of share this podcast episode out and continue this discussion and really get the snowball rolling, um, to the point where maybe Michael Ray, I think this would, I think this would suit Michael Ray's, uh, biases pretty well, or, you know, his interest, maybe, maybe he'll decide to, to run a qualitative analysis on this. Um, so, uh, let's let's take this discussion online. Let's let's share it around. Let's get people talking and uh, let's try to learn a little bit more about, um, you know, quote unquote, injury proneness and perceptions of that. Yeah, I would agree. Let's see if we can get a discussion going. And I'd just be curious where everybody's at, whether it be with you yourself. Maybe you've had your, your challenges with injury and pain and, and how that that title of injury prone, you know, sits with you or maybe what it's, what you've seen in your patient populations with injury proneness. I'd be love to hear what uh, your, your experience, like you said, qualitatively kind of your take on it either personally or what you see with, with the, the people you're, you're privileged to serve each day. Um, so chime in on Instagram or our Facebook feed and, and let us know what you guys think. Um, we're, we will definitely chime in on the discussions and, and interested to hear what you guys have to say. But with that said, we're going to wrap it up for this week. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Definitely, if you have any other things you'd like to hear us discuss or talk about on the podcast, don't hesitate to message us via Instagram or Facebook. And we're always you know, getting some good topic ideas from you guys. So we'd love to hear what you think. But until then, we will talk to you next week. 
This has been another episode of the Modern Pain Podcast with Dr. Mark Karchula. Join us next time as we continue our journey to help change the story around pain. For more information on the show, visit modernpaincare.com. Also, visit the Pain Masterminds Network on Facebook for free education and resources. This podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. Please consult a licensed professional for your specific medical needs. Changing the story around pain. This is the Modern Pain Podcast.